0: Any, any wealth in this world is not equates to my parents, not equates to my family, you know. Mm. it worth nothing to me. Yeah. But if I had my family happy there, you mm. know, and no war in my country, we are poor, but we are happy. Yeah. And all things doesn't equate to money. Yes. doesn't equate to wealth, a new car, a new house. But it is the pursuit of happiness that we all crave,
1: everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Luke McCredden and that voice is the voice of John Gulzari. John is an amazing man born in Afghanistan, made his way here in one of the most amazing stories I've ever heard. What John went through as a young boy, a young man, to get to Australia to start a new life, a better life is simply amazing and something that we all need to hear. We all need to understand more about asylum seekers, what they go through, but also what they can offer. As you'll hear, John explains how much that he has done, but also his community have done. This is an understanding that we're all way too unfamiliar with. So I really hope that you can get something out of this podcast. I really hope that you can enjoy it. I really hope you can learn something. This is another topic that as a community, we're well undereducated, John invited me into a friend's restaurant in Dandenong. We sat down, enjoyed some beautiful Afghani tea, and was adamant that he wanted to record there and show me some of his community. So you'll hear a fair bit of background noise, a fair bit of hustle and bustle in the background, but that's fine. That was all part of the day, and I was more than happy with that as I was invited there as a guest and really enjoyed my time with John. So sit back and relax and Try and take something out of this. This is episode 10 with John Gulzari. Well, John, thank you for uh sitting down with me. I- thank you for the tea. It's oh, magnificent. It's <laughs> is tea something that uh is is a is a is a real specialty Afghanistan?
0: That's well said. Yes. It's yeah? extremely uh, sort of uh uh, what he call a specialty, and many people Afghanistan is quite renowned, okay, for, they, for their tea. Yeah, uh, and we have also have quotations. Right that says, without drinking tea, you can't fight, or you can't make a war. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what that means is that uh, in Afghanistan, during course of history of past century, I should say, mm. that there is consecutive like uh, uh, sort of invasion. Yep. So initially, it was like British. Then comes the Russians, then then the Europeans, then U.S., then Pakistan, you know. Then uh, and now it's Taliban, you know, and yeah. allies, and also U.S. there as well. Obviously Australia's there as well. Yep, yep. yep. So yes, Afghanistan's always been a uh, land of war. Yeah, unfortunately, and mm. um, we did not see a peace very much. So I yep. grew up as uh, <laughs> as being children of war.
1: Yeah, because. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and obviously, we'll, we'll get into a bit of your story, and, and yep. but I'm led to believe you left when you were seventeen. That's true. Yep. So, do you have any fond memories of Afghanistan?
0: Well, when I was young, um, I had a lot of my friends, family member around me. Uh, we played always. Yeah. So, when you are tender and young age, you don't realize that the war is going on. Okay. So and it's a bit of naivety. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I had a, f- a lot of fun memories because uh, when there is a special celebrations there, like mm. we have a couple of Eid festivals, which yep. are religious festivals, and also Nauru's which is Afghanistan, and some other uh, local yep. ceremonies like you know housewarming or maybe you know, yeah. yeah, sort of childbirth. Yep. So all those occasions well we celebrate a lot of things with the traditional instruments yep called dambura it's okay. has only two strings
1: right right yeah, yeah okay yeah and that, and that's a uh, local um, like that's a, that iri- the iri- instrument originates in afghanistan right. yeah.
0: yep uh, i believe to be from that region yep so there's called dambura which is two string twist string guitar like okay and there's also another one there's uh, we call it dolak or tabla so there's uh, like a drum, yep, and uh, and for womens, it's separate, and for mens it's different. It's a different, yep, okay, and then we our musics very much work on the harmonium yeah, yeah, which is like quite popular in India as well, yep, and yep. Afghanistan as well, yeah, yeah, oh
1: cool so it's <laughs> not, so you do you know you can sit here and look back, and you do have some nice memories, but obviously there was a point where it was time to go, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, as you said, you know that um, I have a lot of fond memories growing mm. up there, and all my parents were there. You know, I mean, I any any wealth in this world is not equates to my parents, not equates to my family. You know, mm. it worth nothing to me. Yeah, but if I had my family happy there, you mm. know, and no war in my country, we were poor but we were happy. Yeah, and all things doesn't equate to money. Yes, doesn't equate to wealth, a new car, a new house. But it is the pursuit of happiness that we all crave. And that's quite crucial. It doesn't matter wherever you are. Mm. So peace, security, stability is crucial. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, because the tribe that I'm from is called Hazara, H-A-Z-A-R-A. Yep. And this tribe has been persecuted for the past one and a half century. Why? Uh, that's a good question because they doesn't follow the like popular sect of Islam. Right. And they are look different to okay. the other at large majority ethnicities. Yep. And uh, that's why they've been persecuted. And history recorded that like 62% of Hazara has been exterminated, exterminated. Yeah. It's been uh, ethnically cleansed. Yeah. It's been uh, like Holocaust or genocide, we call it. Yeah. Um, so growing up, always I had that thought in the back of my mind. Yeah. Still, to this day, people have been slaughtered like sheep. And uh, we have a hard time in Afghanistan surviving. Just mm. barely surviving. And many people escape to go across the border to Pakistan. Yeah. Same drama. Because the Taliban is so powerful. Uh, the allies that they are supporting the Taliban they yeah. are extremely powerful. They are even have uh, atomic weapons. Yeah, And therefore Hazaras have no chance. And we just wanted to we are living in central region of Afghanistan. It's very central, yep. and it's also based on farming, agriculture, mm. and uh, as is ha- Afga- Hazara which is Camp, the land of Hazaras, yep. which you know that Burza Bamiyan once stood there. Yeah, so it's been extremely discriminated systematically. For yeah. example, uh, the roads are never paved. Yeah, uh, electricity is not there. Waters, irrigation is not there. Um, uh, and the other facilities like school, colleges, hospitals, nothing there. It's hard for me to
1: get it, understand that because it doesn't sound like from what you're saying you, you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that you're seemingly different and don't fit into their other's way of life. That's right. So that's the... Yeah. The, yeah. And I'm then worried.
0: again, this location that we have for a century, Hazara has been forced into that location. Okay. So cutting them off from the northern region of Afghanistan. Right. So, therefore, they don't have any any associations with the other countries like Tajikistan, Uzbekistan, or yeah. other regions. Yeah. But they've been completely cut off. And uh, they're they forced in the like right central region. Mm. So, whenever it, uh, the government raises a war on these people, like Hazaras, yeah. Yeah. so what they do is they cut the supply line. Okay. And people will starve to death. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's agony. That's the... That's the unfortunate part of it, and still this genocide is continuing to this modern yeah. day and age.
1: How many would still be, like, what would the population be of?
0: Uh, before nineteenth century, uh, Hazara population was sixty okay. percent, approximately, of Afghanistan. Right, <clears throat> but now, as according to latest, latest um, uh, figures, yep. it says Hazaras between fifteen to twenty percent. Wow, so forty percent of them being genocide. Been a Holocaust, yeah, and been exterminated, yep. yeah. So it
1: was a. Um, there must have been a point for you when you thought, "It's now or never." Was it kind of that, or was it a was it a group, um, or, or or it has been going in waves where um, your people have been saying, "We we need to, we need to leave." Sure.
0: Well, during the course of history since 1900, Hazara has been. Leaving the wave of migration is like yep. maybe 50 waves of migration that happen. Okay. And it's forced migration because you don't have a food there, aggregation is poor because we are cornered in onto mountain regions. Yep. Nothing grows there. No. Uh, there is no water there. So, whatever is natural, whatever rain falls there, and mm. the winter, whatever the snow melting, that's what we have. Otherwise, we have nothing. Yeah. No aggregation, no irrigation right. water system. No pipes like this, you know, that we can open the tap yeah. and have water. No electricity so they can we can produce the water. Uh, nothing like such. So life so you, is quite harsh. Yeah. People are starving. People are struggling to make ends meet uh, because they're barely surviving. And then, then whenever they're going across the country to, for example, to uh, Pakistan or Iran to work and bring some money in, people have been slaughtered along the way in dozens just a couple of months ago, 30 people just slaughtered, just dropped a throat in the street. And there is no government there to sort of protect Hazaras because... Is, is there anything in place to protect Hazaras? No. As far as I know, there is nothing. Uh, after the Bone Agreement, which was like 2001 or two, mm. and then there says that they are creating a unity government in Afghanistan... Mm. Some of them been brought to the government symbolically, that they were there, but they had no authority. Okay. And now slowly, as currently election is happening, so they have been thrown out. Yeah. Now there's no Azaras there. So now there's nothing. That, that, yep. Yeah. And no representation. Go- yeah. And currently the government and the tribes that they are predominantly ta- uh, Taliban's, mm. they are in the government. And as we speak, they are going to U.S. to make an agreement with the U.S., and initially, when the international troops came to us, uh, to Afghanistan, the Hazaras welcomed them. Hazaras supported them because mm. we were the most feared and persecuted nation, yep. and we were fearful of our life. Yeah. So, therefore, we says we thought that our salvation is in the U.S. or NATO troops yep. that they can protect us. Yeah. But unfortunately, post two thousand fourteen, they exited Afghanistan. Yep. Our travel like two folded fourfolded you know uh, yeah The yep. past decade there's thousands of people have been killed across the border in Afghanistan and Pakistan, and uh along the way when they're making any journey, so it's life is quite harsh, yeah, it sounds
1: yeah it's it's yeah again It you know, and the honesty of it is it's people uh like myself can't quite fathom that um it's it's amazing to hear, and that's what. I feel is important with my podcast is all different people like we we're talking off air have, have come on the podcast and got really great stories to tell in some format. A lot of them are relate- relatable, but some of them are just you know for a lot of us are, are hard to understand. But it's it's great to hear. Yeah, um, we are so
0: blessed that we are in Australia. We are yeah. sort of being protected from the rest of the harshness of the world. Yep, I know we had our fair share of uh, war, like the Anzac. Yep. Anzac tragedy and also the uh, Japanese invasion and so on. You know, Uh, our people, which are Australians, they suffer a lot. Mm. But to modern-day Australians, they possibly never experienced the issues, the genocide, the ethnic cleansing that I and my people have experienced. Definitely, yeah. And then it's hard to reckon with because when the people doesn't know, Mm. they don't have an empathy. Yeah. They says, why these refugees and migrants coming here? Yes, yeah. These refugees, they're not genuine. Yeah. I uh, say, so what's the definition of Genian refugee? Huh? If 62% of your people have been exterminated, isn't that a well-founded fear?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> isn't yeah, it, a day, in the day in the past couple of thousands of people have been uh, killed? Isn't that the reason of well-founded persecution? Mm. And now the government is trying, in Australia, is trying to force people to dead danger in Afghanistan. And then while day in, day out, under the international forces, under the Afghan government, still my people have been killed in thousands. Yeah. And then Australian government says, this is safe. Which part of that is safe? Okay, it says if that region is not safe, you go to somewhere else.
1: What are the Australian government basing their comments about it being safe on?
0: Uh, It generally says that it's not our problem, refugees. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then you know, there was yeah. an interesting quotations that I've heard once. It says a fish stinks from head down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what that analogy says, you know, that if the government is like anti human rights, mm. if the government is anti refugees. Doesn't matter whatever uh, reasoning you bring it to them, mm. whatever uh, whatever argument, whatever evidence you provide it to them, they will still be in denial because they cannot comprehend it. Mm. And because they said that they have made their mind, they said we are no longer having a refugees. We now no longer accepting asylum seekers. Uh, we are closing our borders. We don't care about the world war. What is happening there? Mm. Even we are part of the U.S. coalitions mm. that we went in Afghanistan and bombed some of that mm. region. We went and fought. Yeah, but they says the refugees that they are escaping the persecution is not our problem. Uh, so I don't know what's going in their mind. Yeah, uh, but it is fact that we are getting less than one percent of the total world refugees. Bear in mind that uh, this year the world refugee population is 70 million, over 70 million. Yeah, yeah. If you compare it to the globe, which is seven billion, so it means every one person, one in ten percent is refugee. And then what, what percentage of that we are getting? Yeah. I mean, 0.5%. Yeah. That's I mean, yeah. yes, not
1: 1%. So, the, yeah. So the argument that it's um, too much or, you know, too many, so to speak, is, is not really an argument.
0: That's right. Yeah. We heard the rumours that says that we are going to be swamped. We are going to be, you know, I don't know, doll bludgers or whatever, yeah. like this yeah. and that, you know. But as we speak, there are 30,000 people on a bridging visa, yep. which means that they are still at the standby. Some of their okay. future is unknown for the yep. past eight years. Wow. And there was protest two, three days ago in, in the city uh, about that. Yeah. Yep. And um, what the government is doing at the moment, they have canceled their payment. Okay. They have canceled their payment of making a living. And some of those 30,000 people on bridging visas... They even don't have work right. They cannot speak, some of them can't speak even a word of English, because they've been excluded from English language classes. In year 99, when I came here, I was excluded from 510 hours of English language. Studying higher education, no. And um, sponsoring my family, no. Um, uh, Sort of getting Medicare support, or maybe getting uh, job employment support, there was none. And I didn't have a right to leave the country. If I leave the country, I won't be able to allow to come back. To come back, yeah. And so, because w-
1: so, I want to, I want to talk to you a bit about the um, um, when you when you first arrived and what and, and what that that sort of couple of years looked like, in terms of yeah, exactly what you were talking about was when you actually. I'd like to go back even further, if we can, just yeah. just to talk about the way you got here. Sure. How did that happen? I mean, it it sounds simple. Oh, you got <laughs> on a boat and off you off you off you came. Yeah, and you got
0: it here. It's yeah. not that nice and yeah, sure. easy. The journey take like more than a month. Okay. Yep. So I started uh, when I was very young, turned at age of seventeen. Yep. So I was quite naive. Mm. I was scared. I was fearful. I didn't know where to go, what to do. Yeah. Couldn't speak a word of English. Uh, so I was quite scared and shy and timid, and yeah. uh, the world was looking quite a scary place. And the adults looking very frightening, you know, I was looking very threatening, you know, when I, in the age of 17, with the help of people, smugglers from my neighboring village yeah. in the central region of Afghanistan, uh, let my family to be there, and they barely made enough money for me to escape from there mm. because I was second eldest. This happened, unfortunately, after when my elder brother was shot by Taliban. Right. Uh, so I had no choice, otherwise I would be next. Yeah. Uh, day in, day out, they were coming and harassing us, taking all our weapons that we want to defend ourselves, mm. they're mm. taking it away. Any possessions, any money that we had, they're taking it away.
1: So the, the violence that they brought about and, and obviously unfortunately with your brother is it, is it a case of are, are you fighting them or are they just coming in and, and
0: sure that's an interesting question because uh, no it's uh, it says on the victors write the history so they are, they, are the, they are the powerful force Initially, mm. mm. they were supported by neighboring countries yeah, and all the all the militaries training them and they were basically set out there to exterminate us again, yet again. Yeah. After one century. Because Hazara genocide started eighteen ninety-one to eighteen ninety-three. Okay. Yeah. So two thousand and nineteen ninety-three, the war started again. Mm. So it's exactly a century after when persecution of Hazaras happened. Uh. So two thousand four and five, fourteen no, nineteen ninety four, ninety five, that's where they took extreme power. Yeah. And then we had a defending party, which was by the name of Abdullahi Mazari. He was one of the guys. Says that you know I would rather uh, die as a legend rather than you know being slave to them. You know, and our women taken and raped by them. You know, and they would do all sorts of atrocities. Yeah, he would like die brave. Yep. And he started this movement to defend our regions. Okay. And Taliban didn't like that because. This is like like a needle, you know, yeah. and he doesn't like it, so unfortunately, he was persecuted he was he was he was assassinated three years after that, but he made a force, a strong force where he could uh, equip people with weapons and yeah. control their their region yep and he says that he doesn't want war, but he wants social justice, yep, he wants social equity, yep, and he wants the right of Hazaras to be recognized in the constitution. Because Hazaras are believed to be one of the aboriginal people in Afghanistan. Okay, yep. And therefore, as being aboriginal in Afghanistan, they have the rights to vote. They have the rights to constitution. They have the rights to be in the parliament. Mm. They have the rights to be in decision-making process. And then they have the rights to equal collection of money, which is equal economy, Mm. because why the Hazara's uh, locality has been suppressed and discriminated and been neglected for centuries. And he says, we don't want to fight, we just want to have our rights. And they says, no, you can't have your rights because you're a minority and you are from this unpopular sect which is Shia Islam. And uh, basically, there was a commander by the name of uh, Commander Niazi. He was commanding Uh, a huge force. Mm. He says, uh, I will give you only three options. Hazaras have only three options in Afghanistan. Either you convert and follow us, or become a very good Muslim, and uh, follow our idea, or leave the country peacefully, so even we want to kill you along the way, so that's fine, or, or prepare to die. Hazaras have no options. If they go to the sky, we pull them from the lake, if they go to the grave uh, in the ground, we'll pull them from their hair. So he even said that Uzbek, they have neighboring country called Uzbekistan, they can go there. Tajik, they can go to their country of origin, which is Tajikistan, mm-hmm. but Hazaras have no other parent country, so they will go in Gurdistan, which means graveyard. Um, wow. Yeah. So that was quite powerful. And uh, so this is like we are not the group that we're making trouble. Yeah, yeah. We just wanted to protect ourselves against these sure, rev- sure. savages, against yep. these invaders.
1: And you got the opportunity to leave?
0: Uh, it was not an opportunity. I escaped. Yeah. Otherwise, no, we killed as well. Yeah. Um, it was harsh. I was very young. Um, my father collected barely enough money for me to sort of uh, give to these people smugglers which is from mm. friends of the Taliban which you can bring me out from the from the passes safely okay. yep so we escaped in cover of darkness with a small ute ute yep. type so yep. behind they will take all the goods household goods and put us there as well and uh, i escaped to neighboring country which is pakistan okay and uh, again this guy is is created everything for me because when I was in Pakistan, uh, one thing we gotta understand that they have like 20, 30% of population in Pakistan. They also have 30% of population in Afghanistan. So they operate in both side of the border. Yep. There's a border called Durand Line, which was by this British guy Durand, which he draw a line between yep. Afghanistan and Pakistan. So in a sense, they operate in both side of the border yeah. and they have extreme power.
1: Yeah. 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 So when did you? Where was it in Pakistan that you were able to get onto a boat?
0: No, uh, in Pakistan they've, um, they have the links to the airports and to the uh, offices which they create documents and IDs. Yep. So they've created me an ID, okay. a false ID. Yep. And they managed to get me out of the airport. Uh, so we flew from Pakistan. Okay. So you yeah, flew to Indonesia. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah
1: yeah and then made your way
0: so yeah when i was in in indonesia so uh i spent nearly a month there a couple of weeks so we're going from hideouts to hideouts yeah and uh that that
1: i mean that whole time is it is it obviously must be very stressful must be you know a very high anxiety sort of time for you because i'm i'm assuming you just don't want to be Seen or found by anyone?
0: Yeah, true, true. I was 17, there was a lot of adults with me, but yeah. they were all strangers. Yeah, um, yeah. it was quite scary. Mm. Imagine being 17, you oh, know, I- Some people can't even go and work in McDonald's, no. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it was quite fearful and scary. I yeah. couldn't speak English and didn't know where to go, who to contact, no. who to ask for help. Yeah, I didn't know UN, mm. UN office. I didn't know if there was any protections available. Yep. I just wanted to go somewhere safe. Mm. And these people smugglers that we had a lot of uh, US dollars, like 3,000 left with me there. Yep. So it's taken this money. and taken us from hideouts to hideouts, uh, just protecting us from the police because they were continually patrolling the area. Yep. And trying to get refugees and deport them. Yep. And put them, some of them in a the jail, so they are asked for bribe. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we went from Jakarta to sort of uh, to Bali, from there to Lombok. I know okay. people go for a holiday, but yeah. <laughs> it was no holiday no. for me. No, yeah. no I yeah, wouldn't have been. Quite mean. scary. Yep. So
1: when you when you uh, is there, um, I suppose the idea of, or is the idea to leave there to come to Australia? Like, is that a plan or? And, and is that something you're aware of as a 17-year-old going from hideout to hideout?
0: Yeah, sure. It was never part of the plan. We never know where Australia is. Yep. Before that, uh, I never knew where Australia is. Right. And I didn't know about this country country called Australia. I didn't know there was kangaroos. I didn't know there was opera house. I didn't know nothing. Mm. Because the village that I came from, we don't have TV. We don't have internet. Mm. We don't have water supplies, we don't have radios, we yep. don't have newspapers, nothing. Yep. How would I know? Yeah. Um, so it's part of the people smugglers that they know where to take these people okay. for safety. Yep. So taking collect a large sum of money mm. so in excess of like 4000 US dollars or 5000 Yep. It just says take us to an, another country which yep. is safe, which is going to accept us there to be living peacefully, that's mm. it.
1: But even when you're going there, you still don't really know. Yeah. Like, don't know. You, you don't know what... like. It, you, your your I suppose your wish is take us somewhere safe where they'll accept us, but yeah. realistically you, you don't know if that's where oh. you're actually going to no. end up. No. Australia could have been yeah. no different to, to, to home or, or worse, or yep. you know.
0: Yep. So in '99, when I came in Indonesia, yeah. I knew there was a border who Left Indonesia, yeah, because people were talking among each other, yeah, and they said they go to this country called Australia. I said, where is that? How long would that take? Said, oh, a couple of weeks. Oh, scary. Yeah, um, And um, are they accepted at this? We, nobody knew. Uh, so we didn't know that where we were going, but we want just want somewhere safe. Yeah. But we heard the rumors that, you know, be careful, because whenever these this fishermen, they will take you, they will just jump at the night, and they will come back. And leave you stranded in the middle of the ocean. So in my whole life, I've never seen a sea. I never seen a boat, and I never swam.
1: <laughs> so the odds were a little bit against you. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit far too much. A yeah. lot.
0: Um, and I heard these scary news that you know there's a yeah. big whales at the sea that they gobble the whole boat. Yeah. I heard there's a sharks. Yeah. Then yeah. they first they will knock the boat down and they'll eat people alive. Yeah. And um, it was scary. And the but ocean there was still itself.
1: obviously. Um, <clears throat> enough hope that you just were willing to risk
0: those? Well, well, your life is hanging in the balance. You just don't think rationally. You just jump in. Sure. Yeah. And I know that it's been proven by that SBS documentary, Go Back Where You Come From, Mm. Mm. that those beautiful Australians, those hard-working Australians, they said, one of the guys said there that, you know, my life is at risk. My family is, like, don't know whether they're going to survive. I'll jump in, I don't mm. care whatever the mm. consequences is. And it's proven that you know uh, a desperate problem requires desperate measures, mm. and when your life is hanging in the balance, you just don't think, you just jump. For yeah. example, take a good example, if one of your fellows, your neighbors, your house is burning. As being human, as being sensitive and touchy and so on, you know that there is risk, you know there's, you are ill-equipped, mm. you know that you don't have any safety gears, but you still try to force your way into that house yep. and try to rescue those people. Yeah. That's human instinct. Human. Yeah. 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 And that's why uh, why I know this, because I'm a volunteer firefighter. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, again, I said, you know, then on that time you don't think rationally that, oh, I should go and put my gear on, yeah. or I go and put my hard head on, mm. or I go and wear some gloves before I jump in and rescue these people, you know. Yeah. You just bare foot, bare cloth, you know. You just jump in and get them out, you know, yep. Yep. before they burn, burn, burn to the ground. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's a, it's not much of a, uh, it's not a tough decision then when it, when it, when it comes to fleeing in the hope of landing somewhere safe and somewhere yeah. that will be accepting. It's just jump in and.
0: Well, initially, I did, uh, did sort of protest and said I don't want to go and leave my family because. Yeah. Let's die here together. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like it's not on our honor, you know, that I'll leave mm. my sisters, mm. my mom, my my younger brothers to die there and I try to save myself. Mm. That's not on because mm. everybody's family, no matter you are in Australia, no matter you're in Afghanistan, family is family. Oh. and they're precious to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is yeah. it doesn't matter whatever happened, I'll die there, that's it.
1: John, have you have you been able to? Have you been in communication since you've been in Australia with your family?
0: Yes, I have. But uh, before that, I'd like to go the part of that. What happened after when I? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, one night in the middle of the night, there's uh, people smuggled with a couple of SUVs, came and rock up. You know, I said, "Hurry up, hurry up, let's go." You know, not enough time. Let's move in the cover of darkness. Mm. And they brought us from that hotel to the seaside. We thought there's maybe a huge ship waiting for us, <laughs> so we got you know, the biggest ship that we can find, you know. Yeah. And we went to the seaside because he wanted to collect bigger money, you know. <laughs> and we got all our money and all possessions. We said, "Okay, we, we got it." And uh, when we went to the seaside, we see that there's little. Boat wobbling at the sea, you know. I said, Where's the big one? <laughs> yeah. So we're going to get there, just jump on this one first. Right. So they drag us there, you know, a couple of meters away from this one on the shore. And we sit in this boat with like 40 people in this fishing boat, mm. leaky, squeaky, you know, oh. and there was fume coming out. Oh, gosh. And we are putting it under the cavity and a we cover <clears throat> was on top of us. Yeah. So all coughing, choking, you know, and we have. God's sake, you know, and we're sick and vomiting, no. and um, we just travel the whole night and middle of the night, and in the morning, we just came out of the sea, and then we still see small islands at the left-hand side, and we just go in there, and we're talking to this old captain and young captain that where we're going, how long are we going to get there, you know, you just say like this, showing us ten fingers, Right. we're getting there this much. We say, okay, maybe ten days. So 10 days passed. We said, how are we going to get there? When are we going to get there? This is again, so bloody hell, 10 days ago, you said 10 <laughs> days, 10 days never up. <laughs> yeah. So we were quite scary. The night we just, uh, two persons was guarding yes. this, this, uh, this boat captains because they says that they will drop here at the sea and they will escape and run back to their homes.
1: Right. Okay.
0: And there was Russian supplies. Everything was very limited. Yeah. Uh, so we did not have much. Um, and we were feeling sick as well anyway, so nobody wanted to eat anything. you yeah, no, We just wanted to get there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it took 12 nights and 12 days. Oh. I couldn't swim. Yeah. And I remember after a week of traveling by this boat, which was going 5Ks an hour, oh. and uh, it's fuming, and it was, mm. everything was low supply, and we were struggling there. Yeah. One night was extremely scary. You know, we thought we all drowned and dead that night, but that night started like, cycle, like strong winds started, okay. current yeah. started, and wave was, like, going up and down, and yep. the boat was, like, wobbling, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, there's two, three-meter waves coming oh. on this little boat, fishing boat, and we didn't have much things. Some of them, we have a safety vest. Some of us, we don't. And we did not have any satellite phone or any GPS or any... Uh, campus or things like that. So, like late in night, on that night that we just hold each other, you know, and uh, sort of like, we put arms against each other, you know, yep. you, like make a human chain. Yep. And the sea was extremely rough; you we were very, very scary, you know. Mm. And uh, especially for myself because I could not swim. Yeah. I said, "God help me!" You know, that's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So all I have to spend money and uh, sort of you know try to rescue myself. And eventually, save my family. Yeah, um, that's it. Because a lot of people are crying, praying. I suppose that they were praying about their final wishes. Yeah, and some of them remembering to their kids and their families. Yeah. Um, and um, yes, it was quite rough. So we've been fighting, and water was pouring in on us. We had a couple of cushions that we put underneath, but they were just bought freshly from the shop, mm. so the seal was not broken. So what we did is we took this one off and put it on top of us because it was like water was pouring in you know, okay it says we if we're not gonna die off the sea we're gonna die of uh, what do you call pneumonia or something' you yeah. know, feeling cold yeah yep uh, so while fighting this this water you know and sea rough, you know and like board is nearly drowning and we couldn't call anybody for help yeah uh, so around midnight I think I went to I just fell asleep you know and didn't know what happened afterwards yeah. everybody was crying shouting and it was like hours that we fought with this sea rough mm-hmm. sea I went to sleep and when I woke up early in the morning it was like sun like layers coming and touching my eyes uh, so my uh, opened my eyes. I see a couple of other people are awake on that board as well I see the sea was extremely calm I says is that the sea that that happened last night mm-hmm. you know I <laughs> said oh just thanks God that I yeah I've made this ordeal." you know yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, everybody was sort of happy. They were, they were say, oh, we survived this ordeal, you know, and um, mm. yeah, so it took 12, and 12 days before we saw the Australian Navy ship. Yep. yep. Which they came and rescued us. Yep. So I'm still so grateful to yeah. Australian people who saved my life, you know, and I owe it to them, yeah.
1: yeah. That's it's amazing. It's a, it must have been an unbelievably scary. Yeah, it was. A couple of is. weeks. And uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, nothing about it was... Uh, <laughs> Luxurious from the sounds of things. So that the, the Navy were the people that came and, and rescued you ultimately. Um, were hospitable?
0: Were, were, were Initially when they came down with this commando small little boat, mm. which was fast boat with rubber board, you know, and there was 10, 12 soldiers with the, all the commando stuff. Yeah. They have all the semi-automatic weapons. Yep. We thought they were going to fire on us and that's it, you know. We're yeah. going to die here. So yep. we're scared, we hide out. And when they came, came over close to us, just hands up, you know, throw any weapons that you have, you know, you bring any drugs or anything. I said, no, we're not bringing anything. We are refugees, asylum seekers. We want to seek asylum. And that's all, you know. We don't yep. have any weapons. We don't have any drugs, nothing. Mm. So they have circled the boat a couple of times, and in the end they says that, oh, when they are satisfied that they are uh, asylum seekers, yep. But so they jump in on our boat and try to take our names and check everywhere. When they they made sure that it doesn't have any weapons or any drugs or anything, then they tried to to chain us to their big uh, Navy ship. Yep. And took us and they got us all transferred to that Navy ship, so we were behind that ship. Yeah. Yep. So it took another day before we reached uh, Broome, Western Australia. Yeah. And it was another story after that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well... So that I mean, it's just you must have felt like a a lifetime of leaving Indonesia and you know arriving in Broome.
0: So sick of you know sea. Yeah, we were all sick to our guts. You know, throwing and vomiting. I've never seen sea sickness. Mm. Also got it to me, and a lot of people just throwing up. Oh, it's a horrible feeling.
1: Yeah, Yeah. the um, I I suppose the image I get a lot of the time of um, us. some of the camps and, and so forth that the refugees come to um, isn't always a great image in my mind and I've never been, had the opportunity to see any of yeah. them um, but I guess someone in your position at the time it was probably a, a pretty comforting image I'm assuming or was it still a little, well I'm, there would have Definitely. been the unknown as well so it probably wasn't all all smiles but what what was the feeling like when you they I guess you hit the mainland and and they showed you where you were going to call home for the next well unknown at yeah. the time.
0: Yep. So while we were coming from the sea towards Australia, mm. I could see that this big land which was like hundred me hundred meters from the seashore. Yeah. And they were all red. Yeah. It's like red mud, you know. <laughs> And when we brought in when I was trying to put the first step on the land, first of all, I was just so happy, yeah. so joyful you know I so said that I'm out of that misery you know of boat yep. wobbling and vomiting and mm-hmm. sick and stomachache, headache and so on, and then finally, after this two weeks looked like sound like like two years you know that I've, I'm on the land now, and um, I was quite you know uh, Overjoyed that uh, we touched the land. So when I see this red mud and there was Western Broom, Western Australia is like sunburned country. So yeah. it looks like I've landed on Mars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really look out, Mars, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we were just uh, they took us and uh, took us to this this middle of jungle, which is mm. the RAF base in Broom, Western Australia. Yeah. We spent three months there, but unfortunately, some people have spent five years there. The climate was extremely hot, and there was a couple of reservoirs and there was a lot of a couple of other compounds. Mm-hmm. This was initially this camp was made for uh, royal Air Force, but they housed three hundred people. But one day, I remember that there was one thousand five hundred people in that camp. Wow. some people were in the tent yeah. we were happy because we were some of the first residents. Yeah. So just hundred people there. Yeah. So we were in the containers, which they had kind of in in a cooler, yep. evaporative cooler, and we were just this two bunkers that we sleep on that. So had a bit of comfort. It was a bit comfortable, you know, yeah. but the other people was like in the tent. Yeah. And temperature was I never mm. feel this hot, you know, yeah. this burning hot, you know. Yeah. It's like over forty degrees always. Yeah. Extremely hot, yeah. And we were like in the middle of jungle that there was no civilizations for miles and miles. Yep. Um, it was poorly uh, sort of you know accommodated. There was not enough sanitation, <coughs> mm-hmm. not, not not plenty of doctors or yeah. medical staffs. Uh, there was uh, nothing else. Only one canteen, and everybody was routine like yep. prisoners, you know, to go in the morning line up afternoon and night mm. and then in the night the guards will come twice thrice with the torch checking you and checking your ID okay. taking your name away yeah but there was no names there was only the number okay mine was C for Charlie double zero eight six and my name was taken away we thought we thought like we, there we go we become another product you know so yeah. that's our name yeah uh, and there we have left three months um that's quite a struggle there. Yeah. yeah. So, in
1: hindsight, looking back and, and thinking now of people that are in the camps um, similar to that, is it a system that's not run properly, do you think?
0: Uh, it's been managed by external companies, which is Circle. Yep. S E R C O Circle. They are the ones who manage the prisons as well. Yeah. The street cameras and so on. They are quite rough and they bring a lot of this, you know, this international boxers and mm. you know this guards that they run like prison okay and um it's like treatment is quite rough and uh, people are, like forced try to sort of fix them up i should say you know mm. try to administer them or try yep. to sort of discipline them you know yeah uh, yep and i think that camp was that where i was i think is far better than there some of other people been housed in wimera yep which is extremely harsh. Okay. The weather is very hot. That's the place where the atom bomb ex- ex- experiment was happening, you know. Yeah. So yeah. desert, that there's not, no civilization no yeah. there.
1: So how do they, did they determine after three months that you would be taken out of there or leased out of there? Or?
0: Yeah, so everybody was interviewed, and based on individual interviews that uh, they founded me, that I have well-founded fear of persecution by Taliban. Yep. Uh, because of my ethnicity, because of my race, because of my nationality, that I et, like ethnicity, like I'm Hazara. Yep. And century of persecution and extermination of my people. Uh, that qualifies me to be as person who find it well-founded fear. Yep. And okay. need of protection. And there's thousands like me that are currently in the same situation, but unfortunately, they are here, but they're not being accepted.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, is it, it why? <clears throat> Excuse me. Why do you think there's so much delay in the acceptance of more uh, people?
0: Yeah, because the uh, government has decided, or maybe politicians have decided, that they no longer want to uh, no longer wanna portray Australia as being, being human rights champion. Yeah. So going
1: back to what we were talking about earlier, I guess. That's right. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So it's politicians, a particular group of politicians, which was <laughs> yeah. from far right that they don't want, Australia to be as kind yeah. uh, being champion of human rights being champion of refugee rights being sort of uh, human uh, but they're racing to, the, to the bottoms on who, who is the first to violate the human rights yeah. uh, and that's, that's the main reason people now that they are hard working, they're mm. paying their tax they've been very loyal to Australia, they've been active citizens like myself like yep. uh, Helping with ANZAC, going to Australia Day, uh, helping with Country Fire Authority. Uh, when Queensland was burned, I went to collect donations. Okay. And uh, when there was flooding in Queensland, when Victoria was burned, I collect donations, try mm. to be part of it. When there was Olympic game, I want to be a volunteer, but my application been rejected. Okay. Uh, and there's many of other countless those things. Yeah. I, I'm part of the groups, which we donate blood. So last week I've collected like 30, 34 donations and they saved 150 lives yep. in Australia. Great. It's my way of saying thank you to Australia yeah. and paying back that kindness that they've given me yeah. two decades ago.
1: And do you think that that's the case with a lot of people
0: it's, in your situation? It's certainly the case with a lot of people. This is the street where we sit now, yeah. it was a ghost town before 2000. Okay. Crime was extremely high. A friend of mine who just came out of the camp, his name was Ali Panahi, he's been stepped just outside here on the daylight and people cannot walk here after 5 pm but now you come tonight and see the shop mm. shops are open until 12 o'clock yeah and there is more than 150 afghani shops yep so it's become center of trade and commerce yeah and has been contributing greatly to danyong economy as well as yeah. australia economy yep this is one example yeah but, uh, what, do you,
1: what do you think? There's what do you think, or what? How do you, what do you see some of the negative connotations with situations like you're talking about, giving back to community and all that, which is obviously a, a, a very high percentage. But the focus sometimes is on the small, the minority, the small percent of trouble that we have, which isn't, by the way, always um, people from coming from other nations or anything. It's local Internal, a lot of it, yeah, local, but. What, does it frustrate you seeing the focus on the negative, uh, especially knowing how much you do personally, but also the community around you and yep. around here as you're talking about?
0: Yep, yep. Uh, Most definitely it frustrates me, the reason being because uh, like asylum seekers and refugees become a scapegoat to no matter whatever bad happen in this country. Mm. For example, if the economy is go- not good, they will blame that all. Because these asylum seekers yeah. came to our country, that's why the economy went bad. Even the politicians thinking of that how poorly they manage our economy, Yeah, they should do better, yeah. you know, but I'm very, very they're dumbfounded. I'm very sad to say that they're blaming asylum seekers. Yeah. When the job employment, for example, the uh, uh, city of Melbourne has 5%, but Dandenong has 15%, mm. so they will blame asylum seekers because, oh, because 3,000 asylum seekers came here, mm. that's why economy is struggling. And they are all on Centrelink, so that's why we can't cope with Centrelink. I said, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Go and do, put your X together yeah. and be a good economic economy manager yeah. and run the economy well mm-hmm. so you we don't struggle. And then when the trouble starts, that people are being called by their race rather than yeah. their name, you yeah. know? Oh, this black person. Yeah. Oh, this, uh, this Caucasian. Oh, this X. Oh, this Y, yeah. you know? Yeah. You never blame that person. That, oh, this Muslim. What's wrong with you? Yeah. You've got to pinpoint that person. Yeah. Put his name. Mm. Yeah? Don't just, just generalise it so the, all the other refugees being punished as punished well. Punished as well. Yep. I
1: think, do you think the media plays a, a really big part of labels and um, bl- the blame game and, and all that?
0: Yep. One thing I'm grateful to you is because you're showing the other side of narrative. Yeah. Who runs the country? Politicians. Who run the politicians? Is the media. Yeah. Like yeah. Rupert Murdoch. Yeah. And there's many more like him. Yeah yeah, 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 Sure. So what they want, because once I saw an article on, on newspaper, which says, we just don't don't change the politician, we change the government. If we don't like them, we throw them out and get another ones. Mm. Uh, what that means is that um, they are trying to uh, sort of run their business on people's misery. Yeah. They try to negative, negative uh, advertisement run faster, sell yeah. sell better sells yeah, yeah. It yeah. sells. So that's why they don't care about social justice and harmony and 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 multiculturalism and diversity. You know they care about their back pocket. Yeah, they want to run the media. They want mm. to sell their news.
1: Mm. If you had the if you had the spotlight um, in the media or in the government, and it's probably a tricky one because it's probably more yeah. than just one thing, but. What would your message be to just the public about those misconceptions?
0: Yeah, sure, I think um, is I think the ignorance that play a major part mm. because what, like, for example, previous governments did, they start employing the uh, issue of negativity. Yeah. They start dividing and ruling this country. Yeah. Because this is all, we can divide them between Aussies and Asians. We mm. can divide them between Catholic, Christians and Muslims. Yeah. Is that you know, because can... it's easy? Because it,
1: like they see it as an easy um, divide because they they use names or labels.
0: Yeah, sure. Because uh, that's one of the point. Because uh, you know, when people are busy fighting each other, you know, they would like to run the country the way the way they want to. Yeah. I mean, I'm very sad to say that you know a lot of Aussies have been sold off to the idea that you go play foodie, you know. Mm. I'm not here to critique the foodie, you know. Mm. But you go play foodie, you go to casino, mm. you go to Formula One, mm. you go to horse racing, you know, you go to dog racing. Yep. When I was in Queensland they were betting on beetles. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> can, so you go on chicken racing, yeah. you know, you go and cantors, you know. <laughs> so when you're busy with all those things, with mm. the sportings, there's yeah. a t- public, you don't worry. We will take Care of the government, we'll take care of the politics. You just go and enjoy, put some shrimps on the barbie, have yeah. a, have a stubby, you know, <laughs> you know, put yeah. in loud music, enjoy the wrestings, yeah. and go bait and punting you know, yeah. on those on those things. Which I know they, you know, one of the major cause of family violence, one of the major cause of um, violence against women is the gambling. Yeah, because yeah. I was advocating for you know getting rid of the pokies because they're killing our people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they tell people that you should go busy with them. You should go and start hating this asylum seeker and migrants uh, because they come here to take your job away mm. and Ozis doesn't have a job. They come here to be you no know, burden on the, on the dole. Mm. While we see that over 70% of all asylum seekers and refugees, they are extremely successful entrepreneurs, yep. such as myself. Yeah. I'm just currently uh, completing my master's. Yep. I've completed Master of Entrepreneurship and Innovation. And I've uh, run several businesses. So far, I'm operating four businesses. Fantastic. And there's hundreds of other people which they are running extremely successful businesses. And yeah. they've been extremely successful as being entrepreneurs, even despite of the discriminations that they cannot find a job, mm. despite that their qualification is not recognized, or qualification, mm. despite that, you know, that uh, they've been denied English language, despite that they've been denied higher education, at I was in one step. So, despite all those adversities they've they've tried to contribute to this country mm. because wherever we are is our homeland, and we will protect it till death yeah and it is we want to be um Active citizens, mm-hmm. we want to contribute, make this place better place for all of us, yep. and uh, be part of multiculturalism. Mm. The rest of the world is learning from Australia. Yeah. That's do you think
1: Australia is in a good? I've heard you say this on on uh, on YouTube on a video that that you Australia is the leader in that space.
0: And do you, do you, do you believe that? You, in- I most definitely do. Yeah. I am very blessed that for past two decades that I called Nong home. Yeah. This year, for your information, that this year. Dandenong has become the most multicultural locality in Australia. Wow, there you go. Most multicultural. So there's over 200 nationalities. Wow. Over, you know, 250 languages. Yeah. And uh, over 50 religions. Amazing. And this is one of the most multicultural uh, city in Australia. Yep. Um, And I think we should keep that tradition alive because uh, it's a shame to let it go. Yeah. And then... Reason being because multiculturalism is working. Mm. I know many people try to you know, oh multiculturalism is not working. Let's change it to somebody something else. You know, mm. um, and I th- I believe the reason multiculturalism is working because, as saying in English, two heads is better than one. Yeah, <laughs> and and when we are one head, we will think only one way. You know. Yeah,
1: I suppose um, yeah, one thing I'd like to ask if I can. Given that you've now been... How long have you been here, actually? I oh, uh, didn't. 20 years. 20. Fantastic. So, in that 20 years, have you had the opportunity to, um, A, get in touch with your family? Um, would you ever go back to Afghanistan to visit at any <laughs> point in time? Or is it something that's not ever on the cards for you?
0: Uh, first question. Yeah. Well, after I left a year or two... Uh, I helped my family to move across the border. So I knew that they are safe because they can't live in Afghanistan anymore. Yep. Because of the history of violence that happened, uh, persecution of my people that happened, Mm. and people day in day out, they've been slaughtered and thrown in the street and nobody cares. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, like around 2001, after Sunar left, my father went missing, and he disappeared. We never heard from him since then. Possibly he's dead. Uh, so it's 19 years, otherwise he would have come. He never turned up. We never know where he is. Mm. Um, and uh, my mom has died as well, um, because it's far too much for them. That's my my brother killed. I seek asylum here. One of my brother was in Indonesia for five years. Mm. He was just accepted as being a refugee on UN quota, and were, he flew here. But now he's struggling to get his citizenship because the government is turning his back on asylum seekers and refugees. Yeah. Uh, he's been for past five years, he been here, working hard, paying taxes, being a loyal and a uh, good citizen. Never made any crimes, always paid his due, but still has been denied of being Australian citizen, becoming Australian citizen. And then moving across the border from my family. For mom, I think my mom is unfortunately too much. Some five years ago, she has died of heart attack. And um one of my sisters well, she died. Uh, <coughs> yeah,
1: so
0: yeah, I'm really
1: sorry. Nice. No, okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I try to sponsor them, bring them here, but mm. it never happened.
1: Is there enough assistance? From Australia to, like, for in this example, ha- help you help them? Uh, not really,
0: no. Because no. Yeah. I applied three, four, five times. Each time it's been knocked back. We don't want any more refugees. I said, well, i going to look after them, so what do you care about?
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: I'll house them. I'll pay for their airfares. I'll pay for their medical. And uh, they will say, no. <coughs> it's yeah, it's
1: it's tough to understand. Yeah, it's tough to understand, and, and I'm certainly, you know, not looking at it from your viewpoint, yeah. John. And it must be extremely frustrating.
0: Yeah. Us.
1: Sorry. Sure. Sure. I um, I'm sorry. I hope no, I have not no, crossed that's the quite line right. yep. no, no, that's in any quite of okay. my questioning. Yeah, no, that's okay. But I think it's um, you know, yeah, it's it's for me, it's 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 learning too. Yeah. So um, what I'm hearing is you know there's there's still there's still a long way to go to uh, our own government to understand. Um, yeah. Again, asking you a similar question to what I asked about your message to the public, if there was a message to the government or you know whoever needs to know some of the stuff, some sure. of this, what what is that message?
0: Yeah, so the second part of question was that yeah. I been to Afghanistan, and never went back. Yeah, because I still have that chilly memories sure. and awful memories. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's never safe. No.
1: Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: I suppose uh, a couple of years ago, some five years ago there was a poll conducted and the question was is it fair to lock women, children, and elderly in the detention center? Do you know the outcome of that? Definitely not. And maybe most of the listeners may not know. Probably not. 52% They say, yes, it is fair to lock children, women, elderly and normal male who escape the persecution Mm. to lock them in detention centre. Based on what? Based on on fear-mongering. Based on us and them. Yeah. Based on, oh, we've been swamped by the refugees. Based on that they come here to steal their job. Based on that, oh... They are here to burden us based on that, oh, this foreigners doesn't integrate. Based on, oh, they are bludging on doors. Based on, oh, while they are not paying their dues.
1: So what I'm hearing is it's based on a misconception.
0: True, very true. Based on fear-mongering, based on misconceptions, based on keeping people ignorant because they control the media and they control the public forum where the media has been broadcasted. But 48% says, no, it's not fair. As Aussies, we use terms, fair income. Mm. It's not fair, it's not income mm. to lock women's, children's, elderly, and people who have been damaged psychologically, mentally, mm. from the war and persecution, mm. to lock in, in detention center for five years. Mm. And in the end, either they will commit suicide, or when they are released to the community, they are mentally damaged, and we taxpayers pay $1,000 to fix them up. Mm. That's really dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. is really inhuman. It's really unjust. And it's a dumb idea. Yeah. Because we make them psycho and we release them in community. Mm. So,
1: so so, what is the, I suppose, I'm sure there's plenty being done. Um, but how, how do we increase that 48% to 100%? Sure. No, it's not right.
0: Just a month ago there was another poll conducted because nowadays the hot topic is this Sri Lankan family with two children born in Australia and government is trying to forcefully deport them to Sri Lanka because the the government there at the moment, their friend of happen to be our politicians. And he visited Australia a couple of years ago. Mm and Tamil people unfortunately been genocide. If you watch a movie called No Fly Zone, which is telecasted uh, in Melbourne as well. Yep. It's by two American journalists who went and recorded this thing with the video and pictures. Okay. And they call the No Fly Zone. You'll see the genocide and extermination of Tamil people in the video. Mm. But still people deny that this never happened. Why? Because only victors write the history. Uh, and then this couple has been forcefully tried to deport them, and now they've been taken out from the um, in, uh, Queensland, brought it to Melbourne detention Center, and now they're forced in uh, Christmas Island because protesters cannot reach there. And now there's a new poll that's been conducted. It says, is it fair to deport this family? Uh... 36, 32% They says, no, it's not fair to report them. But over like 68% says, yes, get rid of them. We don't want them here. Even the Aussies born here, they're not Aussies because they're born to this Sri Lankan family. What, what's wrong with this society? Yeah. I can't understand. No, Because any person doesn't matter of your caste, creed, ethnicity, religion, color, race, if you're born in Australia, you're Australian. Yeah. Isn't that so? Absolutely. That's so. If that's so, so why these two children has been denied their, their basic right? Why? Because they are from a persecuted minority? Why? Because they, their fa- fa- family escaped the persecution? And what's what's the, their fault, their innocence? They are three years or five years old mm. kid. Mm. What would they know? Mm. They've never been to Sri Lanka. Yeah. They yeah. never spoke the language. And then uh, why we are availing them, our, our, our children, children of Australia, mm. to this danger. We know that they've been exterminated. Exterminated. We know that genocide happened before our eyes. Mm. Even the media did not show it here because we happen to be friends of the prime minister. Mm. Um, but it's happening. The no fire zone, you watched the documentary. Yep. Yep, and you'll sure. see it right in front of your eyes. Mm. Uh, so that's wrong. Mm. Absolutely. And this, whoever is saying over 70% that says, yes, that's fair and deport them, they should, they're not in right, Their right frame of mind. No. They're only buying to the politicians. Yep. They're only buying to the message that's put out by media. That's it. That's it. They're only buying to fear-mongering. Yep. They're only buying to be unhuman. Mm. They, if they look in their heart... If they know that if any religion values they have, if any ethics they have, if any morals they have, they would never ever say, okay, yes, send these two kids, under five years old kids, and let them to be to be killed, you know, murdered in the hand of the government.
1: I, I can't help but think of my own children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, not that you can put yourself exactly in those sure. shoes, but sure. just even the thought of it. Think is, of your own
0: children. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. To everybody, you know, to every family, and the children are precious.
1: And then ask yourself the question in that poll again. Yeah. And and you know that, that that's what, as far as I'm concerned, doesn't happen enough. And that's putting yourself in other people's shoes as much as you can to feel what that might feel like.
0: Yeah. So the fairmongering, the you know anti asylum seeker sentiments, you know this labelling of gang, the thug, the Mm. whatever you know, is day by day creeping up Mm. and I'm sad to say that John Howard in 99 started all this let this genie out of the bottle Mm. and unfortunately to make this beautiful for past decade and a half till 2010 I didn't see the impact of this fair mongering racism and and, uh, anti-migrant sentiments Mm. and sort of pigeonholing people uh, but it's slowly taking effect yeah. and one day we'll have like civil war here yeah. why yeah. we want to do that we we already have an exemplary society here mm. egalitarian, democratic huh? yeah. um, obeying rule of law mm. there's beautiful laws and you know that anti-discrimination laws has been loosened up so people have been intentionally they have been, uh, abused and sweared they say go back where you come from mm. Uh, they says, "Oh, you not belong here, or oh, you're not from here, or oh, your, your color of your skin doesn't look like ordinary Australians." Mm. Is, is that what we want? No. We want to be racist society. We want to be uh, discriminating on human rights. We want to be discriminating on ethnicity, on religion, on gender. No. Mm. We are far bigger than that. Mm. As we said, we are laticans, Fair Income Australia. Yep. Uh, initially, many of your listeners may not know. But when uh, the Charter of Human Rights been put in place, Australia was the key architect behind that Yep. in 1949 and 51, okay. Geneva Convention. Right. What happened? Have we lost our morals? We become different people. Yeah. 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 We gotta ask ourselves yeah. these questions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Uh, because in international community, people are just spitting on us, people laughing on us, and when Dick Smith goes, here, they say, "Oh, we've been swamped." twenty two million here. People just laugh at us. They say, Are you kidding me? Mm. India is two hundred billion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should say that they've been swamped. Yeah. Not you. Not us. Um, so yeah, we gotta ask these critical questions. Yep. That are we wanna gonna be the meanest, the nastiest, you know, the, the very, very bad name given to us in the international community. Mm. Or no. On the other hand, we wanna be this beautiful Australian society, hard working yep. Have a, have a fair go for all. We say give them a fair go. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, be fair fair income, you know? Yeah. That's what we want. And be proud. Be proud of who we are and our I achievement know. of past two hundred years. Yeah. And, and be are, proud of the multiculturalism. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We are we are the first nation who is competing at the first world, you know? Yeah. And we should be keeping that tradition alive. We should. We have more potentials. We have more to give. Yeah. We have larger land. Our land mass is as bigger as Europe combined. Mm. Yeah? Yep. and many of them are unoccupied. Mm. and we have our resources doing the best. Mm. Our economy is one of the best in the world, you know. Uh, what we are fearing about, the number of total asylum seekers doesn't reach 200,000, yeah, and keep in mind there's 70 million sal- asylum seekers and refugees in the world, 70 mm. million, and the population here in Australia is 100,000. Mm.
1: yeah. That's not zero point zero 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 one percent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we says that we are far bigger than this. We we have initiated multiculturalism, let's keep this tradition alive. Yeah. Let the rest of the world to follow us. Absolutely. Doesn't matter whether they are racist. Yeah. They are they're mean and nasty and they have this anti sentiments, but they are following us on multiculturalism. Yeah. So let's keep the tradition let's keep alive going to Yeah. Be leading a diversity. I'd
1: like to think john that i can share this episode with as many people as possible because i I love your message and i love what we've spoken about with me today so thank you so much for your time
0: i'm really blessed to sort of have this opportunity to speak to australians it's my fellow australians they're
1: the messages that actually need to get out get out and about not not so much of what we typically see in the media which uh so yeah once again thank you so much for your openness and I really. And thanks for the tea. Yeah. Oh, pleasure. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> Love to be hospitable you yeah. know, and uh, give hospitality because uh, it's, it's in our culture. Yeah. And we would like to uh, extend it to our fellow Australians. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you, John. Yeah, appreciate that.